Hey everybody! Hey there, welcome back to Planet and God. We are going through our Gospel Reading Challenge for the year. Yep, we are on chapter 18 today. 18, are you sure? Yes. 18, we have 10 more after this one. Wow, congratulations. Yay! 10 yep. more. That's crazy. Hopefully you're sticking with it. Um, now's a great time to pause the video, go read chapter 18, <laughs> and then come back. We'll give you our notes. Um, without further ado, let's dive in. All right. So, chapter 18, I break down the first section, verses 1 through 5. Yeah, I had nothing on that one. Really? Wow, yeah. nothing. Uh, well, I thought it was interesting that how it opens, the, the chapter 18 opens at that time. Um, you see that being the same time that Peter went and got the money for the from the fish's mouth for the temple tax. So we're still in that same day. Um, and then Jesus uses a question from the disciples to teach them about being humble. Right? Their, their question, right? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he uses a little child to illustrate that, that the mindset that you have to have. Of that being that children are completely dependent and reliant on others in order to sustain themselves. Right? That's how we need to be to the Lord. Right? We need to be completely dependent on oh, Him. I guess I did have some on that too. Yeah? Well, it, I started verse 6, but then I went 1 to 9 here. <laughs> wow. You jumped all over the place. I did. Um, I, basically the same thing, though, that the little children was used as an example of how we're to be humble, like yep. them, and accepting. Um, also noting that children are easily swayed to change their mind and get off track. Um, that's why in verse 6, if someone causes one of these little ones, he's talking about a new believer. Yeah. Right? Um, because I think I've read it so many times before, and I'm like, he's talking about little children. He's talking about, you know what I mean? Right. But... He's really talking about new believers. New believers, yeah, yeah. It's it's very interesting how Jesus, when he's talking at this time, he's going against the conventional wisdom of the day and even the conventional wisdom of today, right? We wouldn't say today that you'd have to become like a little child, right? Because there are people that are becoming like little child children, literally. And that's just dumb. <laughs> but... Um, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying literally become become a little child, right? He's telling them in a spiritual sense. And then as you got into verses 6, I break down 6 through 11 as another section. Yeah, sorry. Um, no, you're fine, but it's a good segue in. Jesus, in this section, he's being uh, deliberately obtuse for a reason, right? He's making an example here to make a point um, about the seriousness of sin. Right, leading someone into sin, you'd be better off as if you had hung a millstone around your neck. These things, millstones, I don't know if we don't deal with them a lot today, but they're huge. You know, a ton or more in weight, right? Because they're used to grind the mill, and they usually have, you know, multiple donkeys attached to them grinding them, right? Grinding the mill. So it's not a, a light thing. Yeah. To, to go through. And then, yeah, as you alluded to there, little children could refer to one who is immature in their faith. So a new believer, 
Um, the Greek word here is different than um, the little child in verse 2, which is important to note. So in verse 2, it's the word pation. And then in verse 6 here... Right, where, he's, where is he is referring to a actual little, children. An actual child. Right. And then here in verse 6, it's mikros. And the mikros is the same word that Jesus uses back in chapter 10 to refer to the disciples when he calls them little children. Yeah. So it, that's just an important thing to note. And that shows more of the illusion that he's talking about, a young believer rather than another little child. Right. Um, and then you get into Jesus, uh, verses 8, 8 and 9. He's being, again, obtuse for a reason. He, he's done, he doesn't mean that you literally maim yourself to avoid sin, but that's the seriousness of sin and how we should be taking it. It should be as if you cut off your arm, pluck out your eye. Right, that's... Right, he wants us to remove the sin. He wants us to remove the sin, not the body parts. Right, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then 10 and 11, again, he's warning, Jesus warns against um, despising any of his little ones, referring to either little children or those young in the kingdom of heaven. The point is that we're not to show contempt for those that are under our care, right? A new believer would be under our care just like a little child would be under our care. I find this verse really interesting because this verse just this verse proves that um we have angels that you know watch over us yeah. to a certain extent right it says um take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones for i say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven yeah so i thought that was really cool cuz i had never really found a verse um, that actually said that, you know, people talk about, not that it says guardian angels, right? Because right. I don't really know that that's what they do, but um, obviously they do something they do for something, us. They do something, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, um, and then... Uh, oh, but, um, sorry. I didn't no, you're fine. Off. Uh, but we do see an example of that with Daniel when he's praying to the Lord and... Um, one of the angels has to come down, but he's kept away for so long. Right. Do you know which what I'm talking about? Not off the top of my head. Not that that angel was assigned to Daniel, but yeah. you get my point, though. Like, he was doing something for Daniel. Right. But I just thought that was interesting. It is. Anyway, sorry. Um, and then verse 11, that's another one of those, depending on your version of Bible, you're either going to have verse 11 or you're not. Again, it's just, depends on the manuscript family it's it's not an error if you don't have it it's not oh an it's error cut out do. in some I it's didn't cut out in that. the newer versions yeah the esv for example doesn't have it um however it it does convey a truth of who jesus is so i mean it's a nice verse it says for the son of man has come to save that which is lost All right it's a nice verse it shows who jesus is but it's not like Omitting it doesn't miss the whole point of right, the, right, right. It doesn't take away it doesn't from take the away main from point, main point, which is the purpose and that. So yeah, just keep that in mind as you you know uh, look at different Bibles, different versions. Right, the, 
they all use different manuscript families, so they're going to be slight differences. And it's not that one is evil, that they're trying to be malicious. It's just the family. Okay, so then uh, what's the next section? Um, 12 through 14, the parable of the lost sheep. Uh, the only thing I really had on this one was I, I made a note to reference 2 Peter 3, 9, which I thought was a good parallel to this. Uh, 2 Peter 3, 9 reads, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Right? Just kind of that follow-up, if you will, to the shepherd leaving the 99 for the one. Right? That just goes to show that we're all chosen. Right. We I just have, have to choose back. Like verse 14 says, Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Right? So he wants all to believe on him. Yep. Um, so I, that's what I got out of it too, which yeah. correlates with your cross reference. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Anything else? No, I, I kind of take a big swath here, um, verses 15 through 35 hey, as one, it's, <laughs> it is one big section, but I do break it up inside. So like 15 through 35 is the overarching section and then there's little pieces inside of it, but it all kind of goes together. That's literally my section, 15 through 35. Wow. And I had one itty-bitty note. I have lots more than itty-bitty notes. Okay, wow. <laughs> um, but essentially, in 15 through 35, Jesus is laying out the principles for church discipline. And specifically in situations where one brother offends or sins against another. Uh, this is a personal issue between two brothers, and it's not necessarily a moral sin that's being, you know, portrayed. It's just a a personal issue that that has happened between you and someone else. Yeah, we could start with mine because my thought's really small. But okay. I just noted that it it's important to God our thoughts and our attitude towards each other matters. Yeah. They that do. that was like my my whole takeaway from that section. <laughs> that is that, that is a good takeaway from it. So at the end of the day so because let's it does. dive into like right. your your Ugh, my notes, the Larry notes. So within this grand section 15 through 35, I take a look <laughs> at a micro section here verses 15 through 18. And here Jesus is giving essentially four principles for local church discipline. Um first one is that it is the responsibility of the offended person to confront the offender on a one-to-one -one basis. Second, if there is no response, the offended person takes one or two witnesses with him. Third, if there is still no response, then that personal problem goes to the church. It goes before a larger audience. Fourth, if there is still no response, even after the church is now involved, then the church has the authority to excommunicate the offender. Let's be clear, though. Church is talking about the believers. Right, the body of believers. Not a um, building. Right. <laughs> right, we're talking church essentially always means the body of believers. Yep. So we're talking about the people that you fellowship with. Right. 
verse 17b when it says, but if he refuses to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Um, there Jesus is making an analogy, uh, especially since he has a tax collector in his midst, right? Matthew was a tax collector. So he's like, oh, oh you're calling me out. Come on, Jesus. I've been with you for a while. What do you not, what did you not say? What did I miss? Right. Um, he's using this in the mind to, you know, again, Matthew's book is to the, to the Jews. So he's trying to drum up a thought in the Jews that they would have this thought in their head that Gentiles and tax collectors, right? They don't have fellowship with them. So by Jesus using that illustration, okay, that's how we are to treat this person. I'm not to have fellowship with them because they didn't listen, right? They offended someone and did not repent of that offense. And then you get into verse 18 where it talks about binding and loosing. Binding refers to an excommunication or a punishment, whereas loosing um, refers to not punishing or forgiving you know, someone that has, that has repented. Jesus is essentially saying here that what is bound and loose on earth, what is um, excommunicated or punished on earth, what is forgiven on earth will be recognized in heaven. So that just goes to show you that your life on earth matters when we get to heaven. It does. Holy. Um, yep. The, that God will recognize. Because I think a lot discipline. of people think, I can become a believer and then just live the way I want. But that's not actually, right. you know, what the Lord wants. Yeah. yeah. You're not supposed to continue in your old life. Right. When you become a believer. You're supposed to study the word. And then as the Lord convicts you, change your heart and your mind to right work. and that doesn't happen like Instantly. it's not like a complete flip right it's like right. A, it's a gradual a lot thing. of times it's a slow process right <laughs> continuing on in the micro sections here verses 19 through 20 again these verses are in the context of church discipline i think verse 19 is is one of the verses 19 or 20 are two verses that are taken out of context the most I'm going to read them for you and just think in your head as I read them. Context is key. Church discipline. Context. Verse 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Right, Jesus in the midst of them for the purpose of discipline. Well, right, because it's a difficult thing to do. It is difficult. And so you're doing that discipline in the will of the Father. You are coming to him in prayer, which is why you bring two or three, why you bring, get the whole church involved, right? This is not a light thing, right. not something that we tread lightly in. It's something that you need to have more involvement in because there's eternal ramifications. I think also, too, this topic is not really touched on very often within our, like, building churches. <laughs> no, it's not. So it's that could be why it gets misused all the time. Yeah. Because it's just not it's something not, that not is... something that's taught on. ...well-known. Right. Yeah. Wrapping up the section on church discipline, verses 21 through 35, um... Using Peter's question, Jesus springboards into a discussion on forgiveness. Uh, 
So the rabbinic practice was that you would forgive someone three times. And Peter <laughs> saying seven, he was being generous, right? He's, he's trying to be generous now. I'll, I'll In give his a little mind. bit more. Right. <laughs> um, and then Jesus, again, being obtuse on purpose, 70 times seven. He's not saying that you need to count and keep track because that it's is not... It's not actually 70 times seven. 490. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not actually because a heart that keeps track is not a heart of forgiveness. He's just, Jesus is essentially saying that. He's saying a whole lot. <laughs> a whole lot about forgiveness, right? Yeah. You are to forgive unlimited. And if you want to ever challenge yourself in that, get married. Wow. For real. Way to put yourself on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so that wraps up the chapter with a parable on forgiveness. And in that parable, we learn a number of lessons. First, that it is on the basis of having received forgiveness that from the Father that we are to forgive, right? He has forgiven us much. We should be able to forgive much. Second, that uh, children need to imitate the Father's forgiveness to those around them, right? Again, he's forgiven us much. And then lastly, the unforgiven child will be punished for their lack of forgiveness. Um, and then just as a final note, this is not forgiveness referring to salvation, but familial forgiveness, right? I've offended my brother in the Lord, or in per or real brother, whatever. I've offended someone, me, now I need to receive or give my apologies and they need to forgive. Right. Well, and I think forgiveness, you need both, but sometimes that person doesn't, right. you know, receive it, which means you've done all you can. The Lord has to work on the other person's heart. You can't right. control the other side sometimes. Right. So. Yeah. And then if you really want to read and learn more about forgiveness, and having that heart of forgiveness, I'd, you know, Galatians chapter 5, go through the fruit of the Spirit, because the fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut. Oh my. Um, and then 1 John is a, I love the book of 1 John. It's a book, wonderful book about the love and forgiveness of the Lord and how we should act towards others in that love and forgiveness. All right, sounds good. Yeah. Is that everything? That's all of the Larry notes. That's all of the Emily notes, too. Brilliant. So, we will see you in the next video for chapter 19. All right. All right, see you. Bye.